Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name's Tom Short. So glad to have you along on this Friday morning, Earth Day, if that is something important to you and as good stewards of all that God has given us. Yes, we do care about our earth. We don't want to pollute it and kill it. Anyway, that's not the topic today. Actually, we're talking more about heaven. And we're talking about having rewards in heaven as opposed to here on earth. Let's get right into it. We're in first we've been talking of the resurrection. And we have been looking at today 1 Corinthians 15. Now, the Corinthians had a problem. There were people there who were preaching, there's no resurrection. And that the, the Christian life, all that's to be lived is in this life. Now, of course, if that's really true, that has big implications on how you live your life, what you consider to be important, what you're going to live for, what you're going to value. And so Paul has this lengthy chapter and it is a fairly lengthy chapter here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, discussing the truth of the resurrection. He begins in chapter 15, verse 3, which we've seen earlier, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised again on the third day. So this is important for us to understand. But then he, he said, well, how is it then, if this is the case, that some of you think there was, there is no resurrection? And he begins to make the case for it. And his biggest case he makes that will be resurrected is that Jesus was resurrected. And so really, chapter 15 was designed to teach that we're going to have a resurrection. We're going to have a judgment. We will put on that which is immortal. Our bodies will one day be imperishable. And he uses Jesus as our example. So he gets into, he's, he's talking, part of his argument here, very interestingly, he talks about if there is no resurrection, how important is our faith? And he, he makes this interesting comment here in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Now, I'm not going to be one to disagree with the Apostle Paul, but sometimes I've struggled with this verse because on one hand, I'm going to say that being a Christian has made my life so much better. It's made my family better. It's made me better. It's made me a better person. It's been more it's made my life more satisfying, fulfilling, meaningful and so on. And I often say the proof is in the pudding. I would not change my life for an unbeliever's life. I have old friends who went a different path. They chose not to believe in Christ, not to follow Christ, and I look at their life and I say, again, I, I made the right choice to follow Jesus. They didn't. And I would not hesitate to say that for a second. But one reason the Christian life works is because it's true. If it, if it weren't true, it wouldn't work. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, then we wouldn't be living a victorious life life that benefits us even here on this earth as well. And so Paul, 
I, I agree with Paul that if what we're doing is not true, what we're believing is not true, if there is no resurrection, if there is no eternal life, then we are to be pitied. Why? Because, folks, we who are Christians, we've put all our eggs in one basket. And that one basket we've, we're basing everything on is that Jesus is true. He really is the Son of God. He really did die for our sins. He really has reconciled us to the Father. He has risen. We have eternal life. And the best is yet to come. Not in this life, but in the next life. And we need to see that every good thing that we receive here, every blessing we have here, every benefit we have from being a Christian, that's, that's icing on the cake. The real cake, the meat and potatoes, what we really, what the real benefit, it's yet to come on the other side of the grave. I sometimes think in relation to this whole concept, I think of what's known as Pascal's wager. I don't know if you've heard of this. But Pascal, Blaise Pascal, was this great mathematician, philosopher, and a believer. And he would argue with some of his agnostic friends because agnosticism was coming into vogue at the time. And he would argue with them that if, if he's right, if, if Pascal's right, that there is a God, there is a judgment, there is heaven and hell, then his agnostic friends who wasn't sure which way to go, if he would agree with him and come to Christ, then he has everything to gain and really nothing to lose. Because if there is no afterlife, if there is no hell, if there is no judgment, then, you know, coming to Christ, he lost nothing. And Pascal would say, "My, I live, I've lived a good life. I've lived a happy life, a satisfied life. And if after death there's nothing, well, at least I lived a happy life as happy as yours was. And if there's not a heaven, not an afterlife, well, I didn't lose anything. On the other hand, if you don't believe in Jesus, you've lost everything when you find out that you were wrong in the afterlife. Now, I don't tend to use Pascal's wager. I'm not against using it, but I don't because I have a greater confidence that Christ really did rise and there really is an afterlife. And I and I, I understand that the technique, shall we say, it's, it's kind of like choose the, the, the one that would give you the best option. I understand that. And I'm not against using it. And there may be a time that at some point if a person genuinely undecided, I might use it. But I don't think we have to resort to it. Rather, we can say we know Christ has risen. We know he's alive. You have everything to gain. This isn't, this isn't like you're pacing a, placing a bet as in Pascal's wager or Pascal's bet. This is something we can know to be sure and to be true. Friends, Christ has risen indeed. We've been looking at the evidence. We've been looking at the, the, the evidence is in the life of Jesus. The evidence is in the witnesses who saw him. The evidence is in the multitude of changed lives, how this man who hung on the cross and was made a Testament, uh, 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 how the Romans made an example of you don't want to be like this guy. You don't want to be crucified. You follow this guy, you may end up on this cross as well. And he went from being made an example of someone to never follow, and his own disciples fled from him to now the most followed, honored, revered, known 
figure in all of history. What changed from that cross to today? What changed? He rose from the dead. That's what changed. He did what no man can do, and he gave us, he gave all of humanity hope, and all of humanity, this is our, the, the fear that holds all of us is death, and he conquered it. Well, what should be the outcome of this? This is what Paul, he's, he's talking to the Corinthians, and he's explaining to them, if, there, if Christ really is risen, if, if, you, if you say there's no resurrection, you're going to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. He warned them in this chapter, be, be careful, bad company corrupts good morals. And if you don't believe and live and live your life now in light of your future resurrection, if you don't do that, you're going to be corrupted. You're not going to be living the Christian life as you ought to be living it. You've got to remember where the finish line is. You've got to remember one day we will all stand before God. What should be the implication of how we live? Therefore, he finishes the chapter, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Let's be like this. Let's always be abounding in the work of the Lord. There's always someone you can serve, care for, pray for, reach out to, love. There's always someone you can provide a positive word to, an encouragement, share the gospel with, share your testimony. You can do these things online. You can do it on you know, your social media. You can do it in person. You can pick up your phone and give someone a call and, and give them the word of encouragement or check up on them. It's so easy to retreat and not be abounding in the work of the Lord. Because he says this, understand something, your toil, if you work, and, and believe me, the work of the Lord is work. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest for workers for the harvest. Brothers and sisters, there is a harvest out there to be had, but it requires workers. It requires more than people who just be nice or praying or, or um, letting their light shine. It requires people who will work in the harvest, plow the field, sow the seed, and reap the crop. This is what it requires. We should be praying for workers for the harvest, that God would raise up more workers for the harvest. And as we do, understand something. As you serve, as you work, as, as you are involved in, the, in, in advancing the ways of God, like we talked of yesterday, making disciples for Jesus. Your work is not in vain. There is a reward. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5.10, to be rewarded according to what we've done for the good or the bad. Now, this does not work against grace. Understand, we are saved, forgiven, reconciled to God by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God's gift to us. But that does not negate the concept or the idea that there will be rewards given to those who, who do God's work. There will be rewards for how we've served, how we've loved, how we've honored God, how we've prayed, how we've given. All of these things produce rewards in heaven that are eternal. Look at this verse. Is it wrong? People say, well, that's selfish to want to have rewards. Well, look what Jesus said. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in steel. 
but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break into the steel. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you realize that Jesus tells us store up treasures in heaven? I mean, I don't know if this you you take this as a just a suggestion. If you think of it as a suggestion, it's a pretty important one. I kind of put it more into the command uh, side of things. This is something he's telling us to do. Brothers and sisters, he wants you to be eternally wealthy. He wants you to have riches that will that that will never go down, riches that will never be stolen, riches that will never rust, riches that will never grow old, riches that will never be you know ripped off in the market from you or something like this. He wants you to be eternally wealthy. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Be involved in the work of the Lord. Be involved in that which will last forever. Serve people, love people, pray for people, care for people, encourage people, bless people. The the way we gain the eternal rewards has to do with are we advancing God's kingdom? And God's kingdom involves people. Are you helping people be disciples of Jesus Christ? Are you doing whatever your part can be? You might be a prayer warrior. You might be a giver. You might be more verbal and a speaker. You might be serving. However you do it, be involved in the work of the Lord. Because we know this, our toil is not in vain in the Lord. There is a resurrection One day we will stand before the Lord God Almighty. We will be rewarded for that which we've done. For good, we will be rewarded. Isn't that awesome? Oh, Father in heaven, we bless you today with all of our heart. We thank you that you have raised Jesus from the dead as an example to us that we too will one day be raised. This mortal will put on immortality. This perishable will put on the imperishable. This body of weakness will one day live forever. We thank you. You've made us, you have made us to be eternal, to live forever. We thank you and we bless you for that. And I pray, Father, that we would live in light of eternity. I pray we'd live this day in light of that day when we stand before you and give an account. We bless you. We pray, Father, and I pray for each one of us to know what that looks like. Some of us may be better with our words, others with our hands, our serving. Some it may be with our giving and our finances. Some it may be our prayers. Some it may be our hospitality. Lord, it may be any number of things, but help us to know how we can be making disciples, furthering your kingdom, blessing others, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We, we pray and we honor you today. Make this day a day we'd live in light of that day. Might we overcome? Might we be always walking in your victory today because you are the ultimate overcomer. You overcame our ultimate enemy, death. Jesus, if you overcame that, everything else we face is smaller. And and so help us to walk in that victory today, that newness of life. We pray and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen and amen. Hey, a special shout out today to one of my good friends who comes here every day and always puts in the in, uh, Kurt is this is his birthday, I believe. And so happy birthday, Kurt, who comes here each day and puts amen and amen in the comments section. So we're glad to have you along. And if you're a regular today, God bless you. I'm so glad you're here. God sees you're here. God knows that you're making him a priority. God knows that you're making his word a priority. And for that, I'm grateful. And I thank God for each one of you here. And I pray and I know that God is making you stronger. If you're new today, I give you a welcome as well. I hope you come back every day. This is what we try and do. Be here every single day. Because we want to get the word of God in our life every day. We want to be victorious now, triumphant, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Not just occasionally. We're everyday Christians. And if you want to be part of that, make a commitment to join us every day. Either live or later on in the day you can watch or you can listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. But we want to be strong Christians. And we've got to be in the Word of God every day single day. So God bless you. So glad to have you along. Until I see you tomorrow morning, may the Lord bless you, keep you, strengthen you, fill you with his peace, make his face shine upon you. And remember, you have something the world can't give and the world can't take it away. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.